friends. Welcome to the Creative Impact Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Caldwell, and I'm so happy you're here. Each episode, I take some time to chat with fellow artists about life, faith, and the impact of the arts. I've realized that like trauma can make you believe things about yourself that are not true. Yeah. And you can really get stuck in those things. And therapies really helped me figure out what I believed about myself and realize that those things were wrong. Welcome to episode 45 of the Creative Impact Podcast. If this is your first time joining, I am so excited that you're here. And if you've been listening for a while now or even have been with me from the very beginning, thank you so much for your support and continuing to listen week after week. If you're enjoying the show, it would mean so much to me if you'd be willing to leave a rating and a review in iTunes or whatever app you happen to be listening in. Leaving a rating and review really does help other people to find the show as well. Today, my sweet friend Rebecca Pillow joins me on the podcast. Rebecca is a wife, a stay-at-home mom, dancer, and dance teacher. She and I dance together at a damn dance company. We both share a passion for Creative Dreams Outreach Center, and we both happen to be Enneagram Nines, which was super fun to talk about. We chat about Rebecca's journey as a dancer. She grew up training at the School of Performing Arts in Orlando, Florida, and then studied at the University of Oklahoma. We talk about a vital conversation that needs to happen in the dance world, which is the importance of having both great training and encouragement as dancers. After college, Rebecca and her husband Bob moved to Houston, and she joined Adam Dance Company. Her time with Adam also developed a love in her for outreach, which eventually led her to work as the dance director at Creative Dreams Outreach Center. Rebecca shares about deep loss and grief that she's experienced walking through the loss of multiple family members and miscarriage. She describes the benefits of counseling and how it's impacted her journey of healing. I'm so thankful for Rebecca's vulnerability and her heart for allowing God to work through her story in order to help encourage others. My prayer is that her story will encourage you today. Enjoy my conversation with Rebecca Pillow. fun to get to catch up with you and get to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Of course. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. So excited. So for those who are listening, I'm here with Rebecca Pillow and she and I go back a little ways actually to when I first joined Audam 2, Rebecca was in the main company. And so we kind of like got to know each other there. And then both of us have had a heart for Creative Dreams Outreach Center and both yes. have taught there at various times. Um, and then I found out recently that you're an Enneagram 9. I am. <laughs> That's so cool. So we also share our nineness, which totally makes sense, actually. Now that I, now that you say that, I'm like, I can yeah. see it. It's yes. fun. When you meet other nines, you're like, oh, yes. Yeah, yep. I get it. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I, tend to, I tend to forget what all the other numbers mean. But if I meet another nine, I'm like, yes, that makes sense. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so true. We're the peacemakers and, you know, just mm-hmm. mediator type. Mm-hmm. Typically more in the background-ish. Yeah. Avoid confrontation at yes, all possible costs. that's cause. the main thing. Yes. <laughs> Avoiding all the confrontation. <laughs> I'm trying to get better about that, though. I don't know if you. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I have to 
like force myself to step yes. outside the comfort zone because I know yep. it's better in the end, but yes, ooh, it's tough. It's yes. Tough. <laughs> That's our challenge. <laughs> yes. So when did you first like get into the Enneagram and figure out that you were a nine? Um, I listened to a podcast. I think it was the liturgist and they had some guests on who were experts and they talked about every single number. And of course they get to nine last because there's only nine. And Mm -hmm. the whole time I'm like, okay, I don't think I'm any of these numbers. I wonder if I even have a number. Yeah. But you know, if I don't, it's fine. Cause as long as everyone else has their number, it's just such a nine thing. <laughs> such say. a nine thing. Oh my goodness. Like and get, as long as y'all are good, I'm good. <laughs> I get to the end and I was like, oh, this is what I am. Okay. I'm a, I'm a nine. That's hilarious. I love that so much. Cause it's true. It's like, okay, if you're good, I'm good. Like, I don't even really know what I want. I just want you to be happy. <laughs> yes. I just exactly. don't want you to be mad at me. We're good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So funny. And part of it for me, yeah, when I first started like hearing podcasts on it and stuff like that, it was like, you know, you listen to the other numbers and you're like, well, I can kind of relate to that, you know, like a little bit. Yes. I sort of relate to that. Yep. It doesn't totally like resonate, but, <laughs> and then you find out like, okay, nine kind of has like, can see from all perspectives or yes. whatever. I was like, yes, that makes sense. It's like you're yep. good at seeing from everyone else's perspective, but sometimes not your own. <laughs> right. Yeah. Do you find it really hard when you're trying to decide where to go out to eat or like yes. those kind of things? <laughs> uh, and now, so Ben will say, anytime we're like discussing something, he'll say, mm-hmm. you know, what's your opinion? And like, wait for me to tell him. He's like, you can't merge with me. You like, I need to hear your opinion first. I'm like, oh man, like, what? Yeah. <laughs> but I love merging, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's so funny. So funny. Yes. Yeah. Part of marriage has been like, oh yeah. Just Bob getting me to actually like speak and give me time to figure out how I feel and but encouraging me to like really figure it out so that we can talk through things. Yes. I appreciate. Yes. (laughs) Thank you husbands for helping us figure out who we are, (laughs) what we really think. (laughs) So good. Yay. Well, Rebecca, you wanted to share kind of a little bit about yourself aside from the fact that you're a nine, I guess, (laughs) or in addition to that, um, about you and your family and kind of what you're up to right now. I'm a dancer and dance teacher, even though I haven't done much of that for a while. I'm also a wife and a mother. I've been married to my husband, Bob, for it'll be 11 years in June. Oh, wow. Awesome. We have a five-year-old boy named James and a -a one-and-a-half-year-old girl named Ella. And since they've been born, I've kind of been mostly stay-at-home mom and then just doing part-time work with Mm -hmm. Creative Dreams Outreach Center or various projects. I've been completely stay-at-home mom since Ella was born. Okay, cool. And before that, I danced with a day dance company here in Houston for five years. So cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And your kids are so cute. It was so fun. Thank you. I loved running into you at Project Dance Houston this year and getting to see them running around or like, you know, eating your ice cream or whatever, you know, just so yes, cute. Yeah. That was like, oh, that was a dream come true for me. I've been, cause we've been doing Project Dance Houston since my very first year here. And like, yeah. I was like, oh, one day 
maybe I'll be able to come back with my kids or something. And I finally made it happen. Yay! <laughs> yeah, I know. That's, that's really, really cool. And it's a great event for families, you know, mm-hmm. to come out and for kids to run around because you've got all the green space. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. They can really watch, cool. watch a little bit and then they can go get ice cream and then they can watch a little bit more. Or go play. Exactly. <laughs> a little bit easier. It's just going to sit and watch dance. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You're, it's a little better than being in a theater stuck, like yes. sitting there and they're like starting to yeah. freak out and you're like, what do I do? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Well, that's so awesome. And I think maybe we'll start off talking about kind of your dance journey and that kind of thing, and then move more into like the motherhood realm and all of that. So um, yeah. What first got you into the dance world when you were younger? Uh, I just was always dancing ever since I could move pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) We have this home video of me. It's really funny. It's uh, like my parents got us CD player for Christmas, their very first CD player ever. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's people that are listening that are like probably, the 80s. Their, you know, yeah. <laughs> this was the 80s. That's amazing. I'm sure people are like, what? There was a time when there weren't CD players. Well, now yeah. it's like not I mean, even CDs anymore. <laughs> yeah. They would play this like a uh, Billy Joel CD, and I would like climb up on the coffee table and just start swinging and dancing Aww. when I was like one years old. That's so, so cute. <laughs> my mom put me in dance class when I was like three, almost four. Uh, I loved it. And I just stayed in it forever. (laughs) I didn't ever get tired of it. So I never wanted to stop. So I did ballet and tap mostly for a long time. And then I grew up in Florida and moved around a lot. So first time I moved, we found a new dance studio and so it's like started taking jazz as well and then we moved again and by the time I was 12 we found a really good dance studio where like my training took it up a notch yeah yeah because I didn't really (laughs) my training was like fine but not great yes (laughs) until (laughs) yeah until we like finally moved to the place where I lived the longest And that was the School of Performing Arts in Orlando, Florida. It was actually started by the same people who started what is now Orlando Ballet. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I absolutely loved it. I loved my teachers. I loved the atmosphere, the environment. I loved everything about it. It was like that was my home away from home. Yes, yes. So while I was there, I got introduced to modern as well. Um, So I started taking modern jazz, tap, and ballet. That's a great well-rounded training. I know yeah. most people <laughs> kind of don't realize modern is a thing until college. So that's yeah. really cool that you got to yeah. start sooner. It is. I didn't realize that until I got to college that how lucky I was to really have a good like modern foundation all yeah. through middle school and high school. That's so cool. And so you said you kind of switched over into the modern world after that. So yeah, what was your next step in the journey? Yeah. So we get around to me graduating high school and I realize I have to figure out what I'm going to do yeah. and I'm not really sure what I want to do. I know I, I did know that I wanted to go to a college versus trying to just get a dance job straight out of high school because I realized that I wanted more training mm-hmm. and I felt like college would be the best place for that. And I went to a very small Christian high school and I wanted something different. I was really tired of just being in the small conservative 
atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to change. So I applied to like big universities that had dance programs. Oh, cool. And I, at this point, I was still trying to continue to do ballet. So I, I applied to schools that had like good ballet programs. Okay. And my mom and I went, we flew out to like Indiana and Oklahoma and Alabama to do all their auditions. And we just landed on the University of Oklahoma. Seemed like the best fit for me. And they had, it seemed like they had equally good ballet and modern training at Oklahoma, the University of Oklahoma. That's nice. Cause yeah, a lot of times it feels like heavier. Yes. On one side. Most programs are heavy on one side, either they have really good modern training or like really good ballet. And right, right. OU seemed like they had both, which I liked because I had so much variety growing up. I wanted to keep up the variety. Yeah. Going to Indiana was kind of hilarious because that's where like people who danced in professional, like New York City ballet. Oh, I got injured. Let me go to Indiana for a while. Gotcha. It's like where professional ballerinas go to college. So I got there and everyone's like a foot taller than me. And they're all just the level. They were just so out of my league. And I was just watching class and I was like, this is not going to (laughs) happen. I didn't realize that about Indiana. That's funny. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. (laughs) And they do have a modern program now, but at the time uh, they didn't. This was 2006. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And funnily enough, like Florida State University has a very good modern dance program. So if I were living in Florida, I lived in Florida and I had Florida has this thing called the Bright Future Scholarship. So like it is very easy to get your like a good chunk of your tuition paid for. Um, If you go to a, you know, if you make a certain grade point average and have a certain test scores. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's like, I could have gone there had modern been like my main goal, but it wasn't, it was ballet. But then I ended up in the modern department anyways, (laughs) (laughs) but that's where I met my husband. So (laughs) yes. So there's an important step in the journey. It was an important step. And so I auditioned for both the ballet and modern programs at OU and I got into the modern program, but not the ballet program. And okay. I was devastated and yeah. I was like, what do I do? But my modern teacher really encouraged me and told me that like college programs are going to put people where they thrive. And she just looked at me and was like, you're a very good modern dancer. And I had never really thought of myself that way because ballet was like my first love. So I always Mm. thought of myself as like, this is my main thing. And all the other stuff is stuff that I still love to do, but it's like the side stuff and ballet is my Mm -hmm. main thing. And so I also got a partial scholarship, which really sealed the deal. And I was like, okay, this is where I'm going. And I went in with the intention of like, maybe I can switch and become a ballet major. Uh I wonder if that's possible. But after I was there for a few months, I realized my body works much better for modern (laughs) and contemporary. Unfortunately, sort of that. Yes. Like I was, you know, kind of like a box for ballet. (laughs) Yes. This just fits me better. And there were so many more people trying to do ballet than modern at the school at the time. Gotcha. Okay. And I was like, I'm going to have a much better shot at doing this long-term if I go with the more modern contemporary 
route. And I'm glad that I did. (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad you did too, because I probably wouldn't have met you. (laughs) (laughs) I do not have, yeah, I do not have the turnout. I don't have the extension uh, for ballet. I just don't, no, it's just not there. Totally. I understand that. (laughs) I feel that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So you ended up in the modern program and yeah. Do you want to share a little bit about kind of your college experience and then how you ended up transitioning to ADAM? Sure. The college program was really, really good training. I got a lot of training in, I had two main teachers for the modern department and one trained all in Horton technique and the other was more like Humphrey Weidman, Lamone technique. And we also got some Graham training and the program is very, very good and it prepared you really well for the professional world, I think. And we had really good good, um, guest teachers and guest artists and it was really tough (laughs) training, but that's what I went to college for was to get more training. But I will say it was very good, but also at the same time, really toxic and Mm. the competition of it was just it was really hard to get used to. And so I felt like I had good training, but at the same time, my confidence was just like shattered. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and to be a well-rounded dancer, you really need confidence. Yes. You just do. Otherwise, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's so, really hard to perform or yeah, even just yeah. dance freely if you yes. feel like yeah, kind of. So I felt like I put up a lot of walls to self-protect myself, but I made some really good friends and I feel like we kind of relied on each other to encourage each other because we weren't really getting encouragement from our teachers. Mm-hmm. And so that, that was one of the good things. So like I have people I'm still really close friends with. Like we got our, my group there, my like cohort kind of maybe my um, grade level my grade level yeah, yeah. I was like trying yeah. to think that. Our, our, like the grade level yeah. that I was in we got very close and we're still we still have like a Facebook messenger thread that we catch up each other on for that's exciting so life yeah. things and every time someone gets married we have a huge reunion and it's, like, it's great yeah. that's really fun so it's nice to have yeah that. Yeah. So it was this weird balance of like, I felt like I got good training, but at the same time, I just, (laughs) it was so hard mentally and emotionally Mm -hmm. to be there. And in 2008, I got to go to ADF, the American Dance Festival, and it was amazing. I got to see so many companies perform while I was there. Cause while you're there, you get to just take awesome classes, but, um, professional companies come there and they perform and you get to see them for free. That's like part of the whole package when you go. And I, it just opened my eyes and I realized how much was out there as far as variety in dance. And I realized like, okay, just suck it up for two more years. (laughs) And then hopefully one day you can find somewhere that fits you. Yeah, that's a good way to like, okay, we got this. (laughs) I got this. I can make it. Something that fits your style. Like one day, like it is possible. Look how much is out here. Like you can find it, you know? Yeah. That's encouraging for sure. It was really encouraging. It was really eye-opening. I really enjoyed my time there. 
So we get to senior year and Bob and I are engaged. We got engaged at the very end of junior year. Cool. And it was the same week that Dudley Williams came as a guest artist for a week. And he danced with Martha Graham and Alvin Ailey. And he was like in his late eighties, maybe when he came to visit, he was amazing. (laughs) I know those people are just like, wow. Yeah, He's like, he's a legend. He passed away a few years ago, but it uh, it was such an honor to get to take class from him and meet him. Mm -hmm. And I had had a really rough year and he taught us a solo that Alvin Ailey created for him. Wow. (laughs) And at the end of the solo, he looked at me and said, you're fierce. And it oh, was cool. like complete affirmation. <laughs> like, oh, thank goodness. Like, yeah. I can do this. Like, oh, it had, the, it had the worst year ever. But that was such a huge highlight for me. Like, yeah. just pushed, like keep going. <laughs> it's going to yes. be okay. A little last like push to get through the end of yes. the year. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. yes, 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 definitely. So senior year, we had to figure out like, okay, Bob and I are getting married after I graduate. Like, where are we going to move? Like, what are mm-hmm. we going to do? What's going to be our plan? Like, my goal was just to join a dance company. That was it. I just want to keep dancing. And I didn't really want to try and do any freelance because I just didn't think that would work for my personality. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's like, I'll just end up staying at home depressed <laughs> doing nothing if I try to do that. So I wanted to join a community and one of my best friends looked at me one day, she's from Houston and said, you should check out a day dance company. She was like, I think you'd really like it. Oh, like, cool. Okay, cool. So I go home. I try to figure out how to spell a day dance company. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm Fair spelling thing. it. It's like all one word and I can't yeah. find anything because it was all one word. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, okay, can't find it. Hmm. What do we do? And that literally the next day, my dad had been in Houston meeting with like a recruiter. Um, and my parents were still in Florida at the time. Okay. And his recruiter's wife was a lawyer who was helping Esther with her immigration like oh, papers. What? So my dad met Esther, who was dancing with Adam at the time. And he calls me and he's like, have you heard of this company called Adam Dance Company? I was like, yes, yesterday. Like, how do you spell it? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I figured out. Uh, For anyone listening, it's A-D. Space. Space. (laughs) (laughs) D-E-U-M. It is Latin. It means unto God. That's so funny. And like such a cool divine moment. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And so I find their website and I just spent all day watching videos that they had, which were mostly Shizu doing partnering work with whatever guy they had at the time. Yeah. (laughs) So I feel like I watched like five videos of like Shizu doing duets and she's such a beautiful dancer. And I was just like glued to the screen. Like yeah, I I had like a break between classes and rehearsal and I spent my entire break just watching their videos. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is beautiful. And at the time it looked like such a fusion of ballet and contemporary together, which Mm -hmm. I really loved because I had still kept training in ballet the whole time I was at OU. Yes. Which is really great that I got both at the same time. 
even though I wasn't a ballet major, I still was able to continue getting ballet training while I was yeah, there. That's good. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's both put together. And and I wasn't so sure about it being a Christian company. And I was just like, I don't know how I feel about that, but I really like this movement. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that was in Houston and that was on my radar and seemed like Houston at the time just had a lot more modern, like small modern dance companies or contemporary dance companies. Yeah, that's and true. Yeah. So we were trying to figure out, we knew Bob wanted to go to law school. So we're trying to figure out, okay, what cities have good law schools and like kind of a variety of dance companies. Like, you know, if one doesn't work, maybe I could join Mm -hmm. someone else, but like just a dance community. And so we kind of were like looking at Atlanta because I had family there and Dallas and Houston because Bob had applied to SMU and Dallas at the time didn't seem like it had as many companies. And so I was like, okay, I think Houston it's like, and he didn't, he got like waitlisted for wherever he applied near Atlanta, which I think was Emory. Okay. Um, so it seemed like Houston was where we were going to land. And he got into the University of Houston and got the a scholarship to law school. And yeah. I was like, okay, it's Houston. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, but even though we had like zero jobs lined up, like this is where we're going. Cause I did not want to stay in Oklahoma. Yeah. I knew, I knew of like one dance company and I also just needed some distance from, mm-hmm. from just, I just needed distance from OU at the time. Uh, Makes sense. So Yeah. That's how we landed there. We moved there in the beginning of the summer. The Dan's summer intensive was not until the very end of the summer. Okay. And so I, I had auditioned for Houston Met Dance Company, I think, and that didn't work out. And everyone else didn't really have auditions. It was kind of like you probably just go take class and hopefully they hope, are like, hey, for the best. Yeah. Would you be interested in dancing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dan mm-hmm. was like the only other company that had an actual audition. So I go and I do the summer intensive. And they performed like on Thursday or something. And I like, I drove home from the woodlands to my apartment in Houston. And I was sobbing the whole time because I felt yeah. like I had found my place. And yeah. I felt like this is like, God was like, this is what I had waiting for you this whole time. Aww. Like through all the hardship, like this is what was waiting for you on the wow. other side. Like I just. I fell in love with everything about it. I just sobbed the whole time. I was like, oh, I'm so grateful. Yeah. Um, It was amazing. And it seemed like the way they approached combining faith and the arts was something I was really interested in and something I had never really considered before. Yeah. And it did not feel legalistic to me, which is one of the reasons I was tired of my high school was it just felt really legalistic mm-hmm. and I was very turned off by that. And I was like, okay, if there's any hint of that here, then I'm, this may not be a good fit for me, but there wasn't um, yeah, at all. It just seemed like this is a true genuine, like this is my heart. This is my faith, but I also love dance. And so we're going to combine those two things and use our dance to be excellent, but also like bless other 
people with it and like share God's love through dance and not in a step, touch, step, touch, step, touch, wave my flag in church way, but like in an actual dance company, like with good training and Mm -hmm. just beautiful artistry. And I like, yeah, I fell in love with that. Yeah. So powerful. Yes. Seeing that (laughs) combination for sure. And being like, you know, like you said, you can kind of bring your whole self to it because it's all aspects of who you are into into that community. And you're right. There's just kind of a freedom about it. Yeah. 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 And I had this interesting moment while I was in college, I got to go to Shanghai, China and dance and perform there as part of like an international festival, which was so exciting. Yeah. But when I got home, I just felt really like it was a very shallow experience, even though it was an amazing experience. Yeah. I, I don't know. It just felt really weird that I was only there f- for entertainment purposes. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just felt really hollow afterwards. And a few months later, I went to Rwanda on a mission trip with my church, uh, my home church. And it was absolutely life-changing. Yeah. And just to be with survivors of the genocide and learn more about that. And it was a life-changing trip for me. And I was like, man, like, God, why can't I have both? Like, mm-hmm. it felt like I had to choose one. I either have this life-changing, amazing, meaningful experience that doesn't have dance involved. Or like, you know, I taught people the electric slide. Yeah. <laughs> Not that satisfying. Uh-huh. Or I have this amazing dance trip, but it just feels a little meaningless to me. And I was like, why can't I have both? And then I find a damn dance company and it was like, this is both. (laughs) He's like, here you go. Here Here you go. This is it. (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Do you have any other, like, I guess, highlights from your time with Adeim? Oh man, all of it. Um, So I joined as a trainee and that eventually became the second company. I was Mm -hmm. there for two years and I just loved bonding with the other girls there I actually there was four of us I think who were we were all there for all five years together oh, the whole wow. time yeah that's really unique to like get yes. to kind of move through with that gr- core group of people yes definitely and they are like it's you know it's it's formed what I know will be lifelong friendships yes doing outreaches was really awesome that first year and I realized just how life-giving they were for me because I always felt really uncomfortable like sharing my faith with other people and talking to other people about it and I was very shy but if I could do it as a dancer I was very comfortable doing that and interesting yes it it was a really interesting way to get I don't know, to do what my heart wanted to do, but through dance and not having, which I'm very comfortable doing. Mm-hmm. You're like in your element and yes. then you've been training it. <laughs> yes. yes, exactly. Yeah. And it kind of, it's almost like as a dancer, I mean, you're definitely giving yourself, like you're giving of yourself and your heart. And so mm-hmm. it's sort of like people are already seeing you and kind of your heart before you even talk to them Yeah, in a way. Yes. Yeah. That's a good point. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of nice. It's like, yeah, yeah, once you get to talk to them, it's like, 
I don't know. They're already open to. They've already seen part of who you are. Yeah. 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 Um, and so, yeah, just getting to realize how much I loved the outreach aspect of it and how life-giving that was for me Yeah, was really great. And just meeting the girls was really, really great. And my second year at Adeum, Randy had choreographed these solos called Inspirito. And of course, I ended up doing the one that Shizu had to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Shizu and I have very different facilities. Yes, that's a great way to put it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, but I had to learn very quickly, like, like you're not going to do it exactly like she's going to do it. Um, yes. So you just have to make this work for you and do your version of it. Mm-hmm. And that was a really, just really, really cool experience because I did not do very many solos or anything. Once I, I danced for the main company for three years, yeah. um, I was very much in the group works, which I was much more comfortable in. Anyways, I like, I felt like I could perform better because there was less pressure because I was Ooh, surrounded yeah. by people. I get that. And yeah. So, yeah. I felt like, I don't know. I felt more comfortable to let it out and be more vulnerable within a group setting versus being by myself. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It seemed like there's a lot more pressure and yeah, the nerves that kind of take over. <laughs> seems like a nine type thing too, in a way. Yeah. Cause it's sort of like, <laughs> it does. yeah, there's something about, um, you know, I talk about like, I don't really, I didn't like wearing like bright colors or like super bright jewelry and stuff. But like just when you, the attention is all on you, it's like, Whoa. yes, yes. Oh, <laughs> so totally it's fits. so funny you say that. I'm very much into the delicate jewelry. I, don't, I can't wear big. Yes, exactly. I've like started to branch out a little bit, but it's still bit. classic. Like it's not yes. like, you know, I haven't gotten into like the tassels or the, um, right. you know, just things that are a little more like edgy, I guess. <laughs> so funny <laughs> but so true though being in a group you know there's more like comfort or mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. safety or something <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah but I feel like that first year at a dam I really just got to heal from everything I had gone through at OU and I felt like the walls were able to come down a little bit I was able to be more myself and just enjoy being in a in an atmosphere where we were cheering each other on and yeah. it was so supportive. And there was one day where our ballet teacher, Betsy said something like, uh, I can see that you're all working very hard and I appreciate that. And then she gave us our correction or critique. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh my gosh, the fact that she even said that like made me, it was like yeah. a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. Cause we didn't even get that. Uh, it was like, Oh, if you can't do this, then you clearly don't care about dance and you shouldn't even be here. And you should just go work at McDonald's. Like that's kind of what I got. So just the fact that someone acknowledged that I was working hard and then gave me my critique. Yeah. It's like, uh, like, like a glass of water. Like Mm -hmm. it's so good for my soul um, just to be there and to really heal. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that summer I traveled a little bit and it seemed like everywhere I traveled to, I was hearing some message of forgiveness. I was like, okay, God, what do you, uh, okay. And I really felt like I was supposed to give, to forgive one of my professors, even Mm -hmm. though, you know, it's not going to get an apology from somebody, but like just to forgive them anyway, 
so that you can like just be free and you don't have to keep reliving those moments and yeah kind of release release that yeah and release, it was yeah. it was a yeah. process and it took all summer and it mm-hmm. was like very much a, like I can't just say okay I forgive you and it's done like it was very much a process that God worked through me mm-hmm. and it was really good um I felt so much freedom after I was able to do that yeah to move forward that's awesome. Yeah. And like, just, I don't just get my confidence back. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I know we've talked a little bit and we haven't even gotten to talk that much about it, but I know you had kind of been walking through also just a challenging season personally as well. And, you know, walking through some loss and trauma mm-hmm. and I definitely want to leave time to get to that. So maybe we'll yes. jump into you know, if you'd be willing to share about, you know, some of the experiences that you've walked through and yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. I went through a season where the day before my birthday, my granny died. And I think I had just found out that I was pregnant with my second. Yeah. And then six weeks later, my grandpa died and they were my only grandparents left and we were very close and they were very beloved members of my family. Yeah. And this was very wrapped up in the holidays too. It happened very close Ooh, to like yeah. Chris- Christmas and New Year's and Yeah, that adds kind of another layer of yeah. grief because it's like everyone yeah. else is celebrating and like I want to celebrate, but also yes. no, like yeah. And James's birthday is right after Christmas. And so we like we travel to Atlanta. I go to we kind of had like a family memorial service because I wasn't sure if I could fly out for my actual, the actual funeral Okay. because I'd been flying back and forth so much and we get home, we have James's birthday party, like family comes in, they leave. And the next day I had a miscarriage. Mm, so so it was, yeah, it was like, boom, boom, boom. Oh, it just wow. felt, it just felt like I didn't have any time to recover yeah. from each blow. And we were 13 weeks into the pregnancy. So Mm. I basically had all the crap that you go through for the first trimester (laughs) and then didn't get to see it through. And uh, that was just heartbreaking. Yeah. And kind of at this time, I was going through like a deconstruction of my faith, I feel like. Mm -hmm. And that had caused me to feel kind of far away from God already in my relationship with the Lord, which was very strange for me. I feel like I've always had a very strong faith and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden I'm like asking all these hard questions and it feels wrong (laughs) to doubt. Mm -hmm. And I didn't doubt necessarily God's existence, but I was just asking the really hard questions that I was seeing all these things around me that were forcing me to really dig in deeper to like, what does this mean? What's going on? And I was already in the midst of that. And then I like this, mm-hmm. all this grief happens to me. Yeah. And that layers on like, yeah. Why? And so it was you like, know? I already felt far away from the Lord. And yeah, I was going through the hardest time where I really oh, wow. yeah. to feel close to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And like on my way to my appointment to see if I was having a miscarriage or not um, because I had started bleeding. Yeah, I was just praying over and over like, oh, please don't let this happen. Please don't let this happen. Please don't let this happen. Yeah. And it 
it felt like a really shallow prayer. So I changed my prayer to be like, okay, if the worst happens, please let me have someone really nice, <laughs> like yeah. be there with me, be there for me as someone really kind to deliver the news who is going to know exactly what to say. Mm. And God definitely provided that for me. Um, mm. I felt like the person who told me was just incredibly empathetic and kind and yeah. did it in a good way. That's that's so good. Yeah. And I can't even, like, I can't even imagine walking through that. Like, yeah. And it was confusing because I had, I still had all my pregnancy symptoms and I was like, well, like, why did I have these? If, 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 you know, the baby hadn't made it past seven and a half weeks, but mm-hmm. here I am 13 weeks in, I was frustrated and I was angry and they were like, well, your body still thinks you're pregnant. That's why. Yeah. yeah. And it, uh, I was just, and, and then, and then, and then yeah. <laughs> gets better. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to go through the process of um, having a miscarriage kind of naturally happen at home. There's like medication you can take to help it like further along. Mm, okay. And that, there was complications with that. And I started bleeding way too much Mm. and I ended up needing to go to the emergency room. Mm. And it was like three in the morning. (laughs) We had to go. And uh, I hadn't even had time to like call my parents and tell them, but we just had to wake them up at three in the morning and say, please come to the hospital, come get James. Like we've had a miscarriage. We're in the hospital. Like, yeah, you haven't even yeah. I haven't even told them. Ugh. Yeah. And, yeah. And so then on top of that, I had all this medical trauma of like I was I was in the emergency room. I've never had any kind of like life-threatening situation happen to me ever mm-hmm. in my life. So this was very new, very traumatic. Wow. Uh they're just working to try to like get me to stop bleeding. Mm-hmm. Just to kind of stabilize. Yes. To stabilize me. I was awake the whole time. Oh man. But it's it's crazy. There's just like bright lights everywhere. And they're like, Oh, tell us if you're going to pass out. Tell us if you're going to pass out. Uh, what? Like, I was just like, uh, I I don't know. Like what's (laughs) right. How do I know? I'm lying down. How do I know? (laughs) Wow. Oh, it was crazy. That does sound extremely traumatic. Yes. Yeah. And like, I'm still processing that I just lost a baby and yeah, it was crazy. And thankfully, one of the people, one of the doctors from where my OBGYN group was, the doctor on call came and she was like an angel, just mm. her calm presence, yeah. like carefully explaining to me what happened and telling me what was going on. And she, yeah, she was just like an angel of comfort. Yeah. I felt like shout out to all those yes medical professionals yes here. yes <laughs> nurses and doctors are very important people and they can have profoundly like important impacts on patients because yeah yeah being in a hospital can be very traumatic and it can for sure god bless good nurses who are just yes. there to do their jobs but also make you feel better mm-hmm. it's definitely it's almost like half counseling or like yeah I don't know if counseling is the right word but something like that like but you're, it's, it's like yeah. emotional support too I yes think. emotional support that's probably yes. more, a better way to put it yeah yeah so I had to have an emergency 
DNC surgery to clear out everything. Um, so that was quite the 24 hours for me. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. It was rough. Ooh. Oh man. Yeah. It was yeah. rough. And I had lost so much blood and I, it took a long time to recover. And then I was anemic. So I needed to take some iron supplements to try to get me back um, mm-hmm. where I needed to be. Um, and my doctor said that everything looked fine for me to try to get pregnant again, but you know, it's, yeah, you, you know, you should wait a little bit and heal and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, but six weeks later, I was pregnant again. Yeah. <laughs> so, like it was crazy. And this uh, wasn't even really planned. Okay. Yeah. And we were just, cause we wanted to get pregnant as soon as we could, as soon as it was safe. Um, yeah, for sure. And I kind of assumed that I'd like go through the same process of like, okay, check my ovulation app and do all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it just happened. And I like went in and I saw the heartbeat and just like crying the whole time because I was just an yeah. emotional wreck. I was like, what just happened to me? And like, because there was no, there wasn't really that long of a break. I was really pregnant for like a year. That's true. <laughs> and, yeah. And I was grieving, but also like, like celebrating, I, I, yeah. I celebrating, but I hadn't finished really grieving at the same yeah. time. Mm-hmm. So that just that, that huge thing happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that was just a lot to go through. And I think I just repressed everything that had to do with processing that. Mm-hmm. I think I thought I was processing it, but really I was just repressing it. And yeah. I was like, I, I tried to read a book. Uh, I just couldn't get through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like about healing from that. And I just, I don't know. And once again, I, I was very miserable during my pregnancy, which is what happened with my first. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. So hard pregnancy. And then Ella was born, which was amazing. I loved her. She's, yeah. you know, my rainbow baby. Uh huh. And she's named after my great granny and my granny. Aww. So I was like able to kind of honor them with her name, which yeah. is Ella Margaret. That's beautiful. But she was such a hard baby. Like she okay. was just really, really challenging in that she seemed, I had like 10 minutes with her of her being content. And then she was just would cry all the time or was whining all the time or was mm-hmm. seemed like she was in pain ended up like going dairy free to see if that would like help her. And it, it did a little bit, but she was just a hard baby and yeah, didn't sleep for more than 20 minutes on her back by herself oh, wow. uh, yeah. <laughs> until we got this magical bassinet called the snoo mm-hmm. that would like kind of rock them a little bit um, oh. while they're safely strapped in this uh, swaddle thing. And that finally helped her sleep. That's good. That's good to know. Yeah. (laughs) We were kind of like, okay, either we get a nighttime nanny or we get the snoo. Um, Yeah. Yeah. The snoo first. So fast forward through all of that, getting into COVID, Mm -hmm. like I decided to stop working and take a break from creative dreams and try to figure out how to be a mom of two, Mm -hmm. because I'm very much a one thing at a time kind of person. And and I, I didn't want to be too overwhelmed with figuring out how do I go back? How do I like parent two at the same time, full time, like mm-hmm. and take some time to actually like yeah. get comfortable with that. Yeah. 
she was really hard. And then she started getting easier right when COVID hit and everything shut down. <laughs> it's like, yeah, sometimes it's those moments. It's like, wow, we just have to laugh. because. Oh my gosh. Ugh, yeah. What poor timing. Uh-huh. <laughs> and James is a very, very active kid. And, you know, all the playgrounds were closed. Mm-hmm. And then preschool was closed and he is so much better behaved when he's out and about than he is like at home. Okay. We had nowhere to go and I was like about to lose my mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I was like, how do I keep doing preschool by myself at home and then have a baby? And yeah, seriously, like we, we can't go to a playground. All the moms. Oh. Oh my goodness. Oh, <laughs> All the moms who have had to walk through, you know, yes. COVID pandemic. And like, I, I'm glad I didn't have to go through like Zoom school, but at the same time I had a preschooler and they learned through play. Yeah. So I like just had to try to play all the time creatively. Yeah. And oh, by like the seventh month that I, I was going to lose my mind. <laughs> yeah. Understandably. But, yeah. <laughs> But because of COVID, we kind of, we had, I had started doing a Bible study with my friend, Leslie, who was at a day in with me and she had moved. And so we had stopped, but we decided to just meet virtually. And so it was through like being in Bible study again, that I realized like how far away I was with my relationship with the Lord and Like, I was like, how did I let it get this dry and far away? And I I was trying and I was thinking back through all the things I had gone through. And I was like, well, you've been through a lot and Mm -hmm. you haven't really had time to process it because you've been a mom to a three-year-old. Like, yeah. (laughs) And yeah. And then I just started getting really stressed out all the time. And I got very, very anxious. I was like I now realize I had like started struggling with anxiety mm-hmm. and depression, but I didn't realize it at the time. Mm-hmm. But I think going to like having that Bible study and just talking to other people made me realize, I think I need help with this. Um, mm. And so I decided to seek out counseling just so I was like, I can process and process and process with my husband, but that only goes so far when you've dealt with really traumatic things. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just felt like I was stuck and I needed extra help. And so someone from, and we changed churches in the midst of all that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it was just one more thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) to deal with. Um, So somebody from my church recommended a counselor to me and I called her. And we've been meeting ever since, and it has been wonderful yeah. and life-changing and eye-opening. And I felt like the f- like fog has come down from my eyes. Yeah. And it's just been wonderful. And thankfully, we connected really well from the beginning. And I didn't really have to shop around for a counselor that fit me because mm-hmm. not everyone is a good fit. Right. But thankfully, I fit really well with the first person that I met with. That's good. Yeah. 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 What are the, some of the key like things that you've seen that have been impactful through counseling? I feel like just knowing that that is their job is mm-hmm. 
really helpful because then you don't feel bad for unloading tons of stuff on like a friend. You yeah. Feel like you have to hold back a little bit maybe. Uh-huh. And with a counselor, like, yo, yo, I can unload as much as I need to. Cause that's what they're there for. Mm-hmm. And we've been working through a specific kind of therapy called EMDR, which is stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. So you kind of, once we had met several times and I got to a much better place, like mentally and emotionally, and I wasn't so much struggling with the anxiety and she gave me a lot of resources of things to help me when I could feel myself start to spiral. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Once we had like several resources under our belt of just things that I could do to help, um, if, like a really bad thought came in or I was triggered by something and mm-hmm. like kind of had a little bit of an anxiety attack or something. Once we had worked through that, we started the EMDR therapy. And that is basically you kind of work through a disturbing or traumatic event. You kind of picture like what's the worst moment from that event. Mm-hmm. So an example for me is I got stuck in some high water when there was flooding going around my street and I was trying to get James from school and I was like not stuck in the water but I had to stop because there was high water all around me got it pull over and I had to like slowly go down this street and (laughs) then slowly go down another street and try to figure out how I could get him home from school without like getting flooded and if that's my traumatic event, then we pick what's the worst moment of that event. And then we say, like, what does that make you feel, believe about yourself? Like, what hard thing does that make you believe about yourself? Mm-hmm. And for me, it made me feel like I was stupid because I didn't leave soon enough to get James. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of start there. And then um, you're kind of holding these things in your hand that buzz alternately to help like uh, stimulate like a bilateral stimulation in your brain, which helps you calm down and it helps you process things clearly for some reason. We're not really sure why, but it works. (laughs) Yeah. That's really cool. And then it's really interesting. You just slowly let your brain take you through the relive the traumatic event. And she just pauses every now and then and says, what do you notice? And you say kind of where you are. And then she keeps going and pauses and says, what do you notice? And then you keep going. And like, I was able to relive that event and tell myself like, no, you're not stupid. You made all these decisions to keep yourself safe. And Mm -hmm. that was actually a very smart thing to do. Mm -hmm. And the hope is that once you like relive this, it helps you process this traumatic event in a way that's not going to cause you to have, like, if you're triggered by it again, you can know that you reprocessed it in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sort of creating some new patterns of thinking. Yes. About it. Yes. Yeah. And that's really powerful. Yeah. And I've realized that like trauma can make you believe things about yourself that are not true. Yeah, And you can really get stuck in those things. And therapies really helped me figure out what I believed about myself and realize that those things were wrong. And mm-hmm. like, 
Yeah. And I was pregnant when this happened too. And like going through high water made me have like a contraction and I got really scared and I had to pull over. Yeah. That was like very connected to uh, an event where I had to escape a house that was going to flood during Hurricane Harvey. Oh yeah. So that's why that triggered once I went through high water that triggered like I had a contraction and I was like, no, I can't do that. I have to pull over like immediately. And that's very connected to like the fact that I couldn't get James. I had really struggled with like feeling like a bad mom, Mm. which I'm starting to realize is connected to my birth with James. I pushed for a very long time with him and he was not coming out and I had to have a Mm C-section and that made me feel like a failure, especially Mm, as a dancer. Yeah. You're like, my body should perform the way I wanted to perform. (laughs) Exactly. And everyone is telling me you're a dancer. You'll be fine. You do Mm. this, use these muscles all the time. You'll be fine. Um, Well, I'm still a dancer, but I wasn't fine. Yeah. Um, And so, and then me feeling like a failure in that is connected to me feeling like a failure as a dancer back in my OU days. Mm. And it's just crazy how connected everything is. Yes. That, that like time back then could make me struggle with feeling like a good mom. Yeah. You've never really, I don't think we would typically think like that's going to affect this, right? Yes. And yet it does. Uh And like, I've been able to like drive through rain and be fine. Whereas before it may have triggered just a bad reaction in, in my body. And now yes. much more aware of that, that might happen. And I've been like more conscious about being like, no, I'm going to be okay. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm not a weak person. I'm not a stupid person. <laughs> yeah. Being able to counter those lies. Yes. Yes. And like, realizing that I felt like a bad mom and then kind of finding freedom in that helped me not compare myself so much to other moms. And like, it's allowed me to read self-help books and parenting books with more freedom. And I don't have this nagging inner voice telling me, like making me feel guilt and shame, Hmm. like, oh, you should have already known this and yada, yada, yada. And I didn't even realize that voice was there until like, going through counseling and like feeling freedom from it. That's so good. That's super helpful. (laughs) Yes. I'm sure for you personally, but it's super helpful for every single person that's listening. I'm sure, Yes. you know, whether they're moms or not moms or, you know, women or men or whoever that, you know, they're, I think we all have those things we don't realize. Yes. Kind of under the surface. Definitely. I think like anyone can experience trauma and, you know, you don't have to have gone through the military and have PTSD and come back in order to have trauma. Everyone can experience it on different levels. Yes. You know, clearly someone who's been in Afghanistan or something is going to be, it's going to be much more intense than like something smaller that happens to someone else. But Mm -hmm. like everyone can have trauma and everyone can benefit from processing it and finding healing from that. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much just for sharing your journey, your story, walking through really multiple traumatic events and then kind of how you've been processing that. And I know it's relatively fresh still, but just it's really super encouraging, I think, to see the healing that you've already experienced, even in being able to talk about it. Like, yes, that's so, so like impactful. And I think 
just really grateful that you were willing to open up. And I know that that will touch so many people that get to hear your story. Yeah. I'm happy to. The more I hear about mental health issues, it's that we really need to normalize it and talk about it and just get rid of this thing that's been stigmatized. But because I think the more we talk about it, the more normal it will be, the more likely someone else is going to reach out for help. Yes. And there's no shame in getting help. It's actually a good thing. It's a healthy mm-hmm. thing to yeah. do it. And it's never too late. Right. Like even when even when I started meeting with my counselor, I was like, you know, I really thought about doing this like a year ago, but I didn't. And she said, you know, you may not have been ready for it. So mm-hmm. never too yeah. late. That's so good. Super, super good. And that may tie <laughs> in actually to this. Question, but <laughs> is there something that you want to share with other artists right now? Yes, exactly that. (laughs) I figured I was like, that might be what you're going to (laughs) say. If you are at all on the fence about seeking out counseling of any kind, just do it. It is so helpful. You, You can get healing. You can learn more about yourself, uh, which is very helpful going and making decisions for your future. Mm -hmm. The more you've learned about yourself, I think the more you're going to know what you want out of life and you may not waste time on things that are going to suck the joy out of your life, but seek after things that are going to bring the joy into your life because everyone is very different and only you know what your true desires are. They're not going to look the same as someone else's. Love that so much. Yeah. And I like to ask everyone, what is one of your favorite things right now? The lazy genius. (laughs) Oh, I haven't heard of this. this is um, a woman named Kendra Adachi has that's her like Instagram name is the lazy genius. She has okay. a book. She has a podcast and a book nice. and her podcast is only like 10 to 15 minutes and they talk about really anything and everything. And it's been really great to listen to when I'm like folding laundry. Yeah, I got her book and absolutely devoured it and loved it. It's called the lazy genius way. Mm-hmm. It's got these really simple principles in it for I don't know, helping you live your life in a more efficient way. It, it kind of goes on the this, this subject of this all or nothing mentality we have. And her um, saying is be a genius about the things that matter and lazy about the things that don't. Ooh, nice. I like yes, that. <laughs> I like that too, especially the lazy say. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and because you know, that's going to look different for everybody. Mm -hmm. It's not a book that says, well, this is what worked for me. So go do this. Yeah. Cause everyone's different. So she has these principles like name what matters. And once you figure out really what matters to you, Mm -hmm. um, you might have better direction going forward. And she's got all kinds of tips from like how to most efficiently do laundry to like how to connect with people. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. That's it's been so really awesome. Good. I need to look that up. <laughs> I have loved it. Yeah. Then super, super fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. I could use some of those tips for sure. <laughs> yeah, yes. It's for, great for efficiency. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. That's awesome. Well, this has been so great. And side note, but your dog is so cute. I've been kind of seeing background <laughs> every so often moving around <laughs> like oh so cute anyway um, but yeah this has been so good and would love to let people know you know how they can connect um I'm on Instagram at pillow Rebecca I do have a private account 
because I had to take a step back from social media while I was going through everything. Makes sense for sure. And I also, I have a Facebook account. I'm not actively on it, but I always check my messenger. Okay, um, cool. So if anyone wanted to reach out, that would be a way to do it. That's Rebecca Ann Pillow awesome. on Facebook. Perfect. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Rebecca. This has been like super meaningful time and it was really great to get to actually talk and like catch up a little bit deeper mm-hmm. about everything that you've been walking through. And yeah, it's just been so good to see you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been just a joy. I love your podcast. It's been uh, really helpful for me through everything. It has you. definitely been encouraging. And, you know, I wasn't dancing at all or doing anything when I started listening to it. And I was like, uh, is this really going to be for me? Because I'm not doing anything artistic right now. Right. Yeah. But it still was. It still completely was oh, um, encouraging. I'm, and yeah, just I'm great. I'm so glad. Yeah. Thanks for being like one of those faithful <laughs> supporters from the beginning <laughs> that's just like been on board and like keep going, keep doing it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I appreciate that. It makes a big difference for sure. I love it. I love it. It's Yay. like, I want to get to hear interviews with all my favorite people. This is exactly, awesome. <laughs> exactly. And then like learn some new fun stuff. So yes. And it's good about new people. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, thanks so much again. It was such a gift getting to hear Rebecca's story. You can find all the links, the full show notes, and additional resources on our website, creativeimpactpodcast.com. Next week, I'm joined by musician Frank Rodriguez. Frank has worked and toured in LA as a guitarist for various artists and musicians, and has even worked as a musical director. He also has a love for teaching, teaching at high school and college level, and also teaching a guitar class for an inpatient drug rehab program. Currently, he's working on making and marketing his own line of instruments, and it's such a cool story. I can't wait for you to hear more from Frank next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Impact Podcast. I'd like to invite you to check out our Patreon community. For the cost of one Starbucks coffee a month, you can support the podcast and help the show continue to grow. As a patron, you receive bonus content from the conversations with guests on the show. You can learn more at creativeimpactpodcast.com slash Patreon. The music for the show is produced by Michael Cash. Share the show with a friend, check out our Patreon community, and I'll see you next week for my conversation with Frank Rodriguez. Frank Rodriguez